Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're praying this message helps you deepen your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in. Welcome to the Deepen Podcast, Season 3. My name is Jonathan Vinke. I'm one of the pastors here at 1122. For years, I was a worship leader at one of our campuses, and I would listen to the sermons from Pastor Joby and think, wouldn't it be amazing to sit at the table with him, with some of our other pastors, and hear more of his heart, more of his thoughts about what God was speaking to him about that message or that series? Well, this season of Deepen, we're going to do just that. We're inviting you to come have a seat at the table with us as we dive in every week to more of the content of that week's sermon. So, uh, you might want to grab something to write with, um, or maybe your Bible, and just join us for a conversation about what it means to live out the kingdom of God. All right, pastors, Pastor Britt, Pastor Joby, week one, Upside Down Kingdom, freaking awesome, man. <laughs> I mean, hope you brought your seatbelt or your cup, athletic cup, one of the two. Um, we're going to dive in and talk a little bit about it. Pastor Joby, why don't you share a little bit about... Um, where the idea for this series came from and why I think it's important for the church right now. Um, I think the idea came first in this year of worship <clears throat> and worship being more than just the songs that we sing. What does it look like uh, to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? And I don't know if over the last two years, I probably watch way more news than normal because of things like lockdown and COVID and riots and all of the things, you know, and I've just been reminded of this, the lens, a lens to see scripture is this of two kingdoms. And one of the things I want to do for our folks here is not just teach them the Bible, but teach them how to read the Bible. Those are not necessarily the same thing. I do want to teach the Bible, but, but this is a way to look at the, the meta-narrative of God's redemptive plan for all of creation with this motif of God established the kingdom, we are his viceroys or image bearers, mm -hmm. and there was, there was a rebellion. And in our current state, the enemy is the king of the air. So when you're watching whatever news, and it looks like, the world is going to hell. It's because hell came to our world mm -hmm. when Satan fell. Mm -hmm. So that, that was kind of the idea. And then going forward, it will be, so what does it look like if you are a citizen of the kingdom? And yet, in John 17, Jesus said, my prayer is not to take him out of the world, but send him into the world. Mm -hmm. That's where it came from. Yeah. Uh, you know, historically, there's been different ways to look at, being, you, you mentioned this in the message, but there's been different ways to look at kind of how Christians live out the faith. And there's sort of like the anti-culture, and mm -hmm. then there's the go-with-the-culture, or the, you quoted C.S. Lewis, uh, undercover agent behind enemy lines. You know, do you think we're living in, I mean, you mentioned that uh, certain ones of those were more prevalent in different ages of time. You know, mm -hmm. where, what do you think we're, where do you think we are right now uh, in terms of how most people are engaging with the culture around them? I think one of the dangerous things to do today is think that there's a monolithic group of any group that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, 
Because then what that when ends up happening is you think this group of people is fill in the blank, mm-hmm. whether you're talking about an ethnic group, a racial group, a political group, whatever. Mm-hmm. And there is a wide spectrum mm-hmm. inside each of those groups. For sure. So my opinion is I think all kind of different believers are called to respond to God's call in their life in all kind of different ways. Right. And for like me, so I do think some people are more like undercover agent. They work in D.C. inside the Beltway, and mm-hmm. they're trying to write legislation that they believe helps bring justice to image bearers of God. Mm-hmm. And then there are other people that are more just a bolt. I mean, you know, like me, stand on stage in front of people with a mic, say Jesus all the time, and point mm-hmm. people to that. So I, <clears throat> if you look at the disciples, something that Larry Osborne taught me is that um, hopefully your discipleship model leaves room for Joseph of Arimathea, mm-hmm. who was called a secret disciple. Mm-hmm. But he's a disciple, mm-hmm. and he plays a huge role. Mm-hmm. He's got the tomb. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I think some people are called to like be out front and bold and take the shots, and other people are called to be subversive to the kingdom of darkness mm-hmm. that way. And, and, man, if we could all be unified around Christ— even if we have diverse political ideas, I think we get a lot closer to John 17 than mm-hmm. the way most Christians act now. Mm-hmm. Pastor Britt, you grew up a pastor's kid and uh, probably were taught lots of different things about how to engage with uh, the world around you. I'm not sure how many of those you followed, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's been your Not experience? as many as I should have, that's for sure. Well, what's been the different things that stand out to you uh, from your life and how, how to deal with the idea of the other side of the, like the dark side versus the kingdom of God? Well, you know, I was always taught side. that being a disciple was like a really linear process. Mm. And sometimes I think I, I say, or people say, you know, I was taught. I don't remember anybody explicitly teaching me this as much as it just kind of like got on me, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like, that everything was this very linear. If you follow this order of steps, then you will be the right kind of Christian. Right. Yeah. And if you you know learn how to pray, learn how to share your faith, learn how to sing the right songs the right way at church, you know these kind of things you do you do in order. Um, and what I've actually found out is that it's not linear at all. It's like a far more circular process that it's like water going around a drain you know what i mean like i'm just getting sucked into the presence of god and into the christ-like becoming more christ-like but i'm i I feel like a lot of times i'm just swirling around love and joy and peace and faith and at the same time struggle right so Mm -hmm. it's like you say all the time man how, how could i be a christian this long and still struggle with the same things that i struggled with when i was a teenager correct and and so for me, I think the the realization of that following Jesus is a, a, a process that I'm going through. Mm-hmm. I'm being led through by the Spirit of God all the time, and it's very like circular. and And that's the only way I can explain it is that it's a nonlinear process, and most of it, I'm passive in. Mm-hmm. I was taught on the active side, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And what I've found out is that 
instead of me focusing all the time on what I'm doing and not doing, if I would spend my time focused on what the Spirit is doing, mm-hmm. what His active work is in my life, leading me deeper into the gospel, then my like behaviors of do this, do this, do this, mm-hmm. do this will will follow. You know, you, just, you know what I mean? I, I think we're just chatting here, right? All right. <clears throat> so. I think sometimes at church, churches, we get so hung up on what we would call the spiritual disciplines, which I'm for. If you do the discipleship journey, the grow section is basically our words for this is what vivification could look like in your life. And historically, if you ain't singing and reading and praying, you probably ain't going to grow. All right. But look in, do a New Testament study of the spiritual disciplines. Like, it seems to me the disciples spent way more, they were kind of confused, but Paul, Peter, post-resurrection, they spend way more time advancing the kingdom of God than like this self-reflective, what am I doing mm-hmm. wrong? How, what am I getting right? What do I need mm-hmm. to learn? Mm-hmm. You know, it's more like they're, it's more like their offense is so good. That's what creates such a great defense because they don't sure. wake every day, every day and be like, well, what was me? What's wrong with me? Here's the 19 places I send. Mm-hmm. It's more like I've got this great commission to fulfill. Mm-hmm. Here's some immediate stuff that's going on that I need to address, but it's more, it's, it's a lot more gas than break. Yeah. And when you do that, you don't have as, as much time to get like all bogged down in all the things you're not doing right mm-hmm. that are, that are good things and, mm-hmm. and, and environments that help you grow. But I think there's something to that. Yeah. We've become so self-reflective in what's lifted up as the ideal Christian walk. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know that we're all wired that way. I don't even know if that's exactly what we're called to. Right. The thing you said tonight was right on. You, you was, uh, I don't even remember what verse you were reading, but it was a lot. <laughs> there are many scriptures tonight. And uh, yeah, I think you're a great preacher for sure. But one of the things you're just, God's uniquely anointed you in, or, or I don't know about uniquely, but he certainly anointed you in, is using the Bible to explain the Bible. And as someone who preaches, sometimes it's inspiring and challenging to me because sometimes I'm like, I, I want to use a personal story here. And what mm-hmm. I should use is the scripture to explain the scripture because that's where all the power is. Not that there's anything wrong with personal <coughs> stories. Those connect with the heart and God for uses sure. them for sure. It's testimony. Um, but anyway, it was great tonight using the scriptures to explain the scriptures. And there's a word you came across, which is beloved. That was not the anchor of my faith for many, many years, mm. the idea that my calling in life was to be loved That's right. by God, was to receive God's love. Mm. And I'm convinced, and probably in 10 years, I'll have some other like really passionate statement that I'm convinced of, which is the most important thing. But at this point, I, I really have thought about this for the last couple of years, just my own journey, but I am convinced that the the fundamental, maybe the most important, or a really significant question that we all have to answer is how well do you receive and give love? Right? And it starts with the receiving. Yeah, so think about this in light of us being created as image bearers. So if we are to bear God's image, you're 100% all, man. And then in John 17... Jesus is praying that we would love, give and receive love, like the Father and the Son. Mm. You were created 
to receive love like Jesus received the love of the Heavenly Father when he said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Mm-hmm. And then out of that, we are supposed to love one another as Christ has loved us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, you are 1,000% right. That is primarily, I think, what it means to be an image bearer of God. The, the, the phrase, in Christ, you see it all over the New Testament. Mm-hmm. I mean, Colossians is soaked with it. Mm-hmm. You read one of the in Christ passages mm-hmm. tonight, and that you're in Christ, meaning you're seated in heavenly places. The and you said this off the cuff in in the sermon tonight. You were like, "It's a really big deal." Yeah, man, <laughs> it's like the biggest deal, right? The and so the idea that you are in Him, like you're not next to Him. You're not just kind of hanging around in his general vicinity. You're not on some list that he approved, and now you you get a pass. That God has done this like cosmic move of mercy where he reached his right hand down in love, grabbed you in his hand of love, and then put you in his son. Mm-hmm. That is where you are now, is in Christ, right? And that that imagery, and so you got to think about the father's relationship to the son. It's like, you think God the Father's into God the Son? Right. I'm pretty sure he's into him. Right. Forever, he's been lavishing glory and honor and praise and love and affection all over him, and vice versa. Right. It is their relationship. And you have been all that glory, all that honor, all that love, all that acceptance, all that unconditional, uncontested, absolute sonship. That's yours. So here's what I thought about in the middle. I didn't have time to get into it, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> I just had a thought as I said it. <clears throat> so on earth, God creates us as vice rulers, kings, queens. We're supposed mm-hmm. to rule, rule and reign. Gets usurped. And then the enemy's trick is that we think we are sitting on our throne mm-hmm. and he is actually sitting on the throne. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then when you get to the Colossians passage, even though there's all the passages in Revelation about Jesus is on the throne and we're bowing down, kissing his feet, or bowing down, worshiping, laying down crowns, mm-hmm. da, 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 da. in Colossians, the king of the universe looks at us and goes, come sit right here. Mm-hmm. There ain't a lot of like, it, it, in fact, if you share that outside of the context of Colossians, it would sound like, it would sound heretical to me. For sure. You're sitting on the throne yeah, I'm like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. He's on the throne. He's on the throne. He's mm-hmm. on the throne. Yes, in, in the fact that he's Lord, but the Lord, after he's been glorified, invites his kids mm-hmm. to sit with him on the throne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, that's that's different, bro. That's beloved. Mm-hmm. That's beloved. Yeah, so how well do you give, do you receive and give love? That question is, uh, it's got a lot of power to it, you know? Oh, and, gosh. And, that, that bef- far before love becomes active, that you are in the receiving seat. And until you receive that love, to your point, to your question earlier about kind of the system in which I, the kind of how I grew up thinking, mm-hmm. that that was the big miss. Because yeah. at, at the middle of it mm-hmm. was not that I was loved. At the middle of it was that I had work to do because there was a really important mission, mm-hmm. which is kind of true. There is a, a, an incredibly urgent mission, mm-hmm. which is 
to give or share the love that I've received mm-hmm. in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? It's different than like do all these things and all right. these steps. It's mm-hmm. just a different way to. Well, how many times at your church at the benediction did one pastor tell another pastor, I love you? Yeah, man. So here's something that I learned. As, as you guys know, for sure, it, you know, I lost my best friend over the this fall. Brad Bowen built all our churches, all this kind of stuff, right? <clears throat> and we did two, we did a graveside service for him down in Fort Lauderdale, and then we did a celebration of life here. And a bunch of his football playing buddies, they won two national championships with Georgia Southern. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that crew is still together. You know, they're all buddies. <clears throat> this is what I found out. When Brad became a Christian, which is maybe like 12 years ago or something, 10 years ago here, he started texting that group of guys, hey, man, I love you. Hmm. And at first they were like, what's wrong with Brad? You know what I mean? (laughs) They did a lot together. They Hmm. weren't in college saying, I love you, man. Okay. Hmm. They told us it transformed the way they all talked to each other and to the man. And, dude, these are grown men. I mean, at the funeral, it was obvious who was the staff friends and the church friends and who the football guys were. <laughs> Even though they're like 50-whatever, bro, they're just mm-hmm. they're different. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and to the man, you could hear him saying, I love you, man. I love you, man. And Brad just started saying out loud after he became a Christian, mm-hmm. I love you. And so that's why when you said it, I think, I think six months ago I would have said thank you, and now I just say it back. I love you too. Mm. That is that is what Christ is supposed to do in us. Mm-hmm. That I could hear that, believe it, enjoy it, and then return it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of what it means to be loved. Sometimes I think about there's a scripture that says it's the glory of God to conceal something, and the glory of the kings is to seek it out. And you think about the struggle that you have with sin or things you're, you're going through, the, the pain you're going through, or the things you're trying to figure out. And if you're thinking linear, you're thinking, how do I get through all of these things to get to where I'm trying to get or to accomplish something for God or uh, you know, arrive at a destination? I think a lot of times from God's perspective, He just wants to be with us. I mean, think about your own kids. Like it's almost like if you just gave them a bunch of games that they a little bit too hard for them, mm-hmm. you know, and you're just like, and they're like, oh, we can't do this. Like, all right, I'll do it with you. Sure. You know, it's like he really just wants to be with us because he wants to show his love to us. That's I think that's why we go through a bunch of the stuff. We're going through doubts or fears. You know, he's like, come to me because he just wants to spend that time and share. Well, Brent said something in a sermon a long time ago that I have stolen now and made it my own, uh-huh. but it's you are not primarily a tool in the hand of God, mm-hmm. but you're a son or daughter in the family of God. Mm-hmm. That's a, These are two completely different mm-hmm. ways of viewing the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and <clears throat> even with all this kingdom and war talk, the danger is is that you begin to primarily see yourself as a soldier in God's army mm-hmm. as opposed to a son in God's family. Mm-hmm. You are a son in God's family who is an heir, which would make you a prince, mm-hmm. and therefore you go to war with your dad on your side, <laughs> yeah. you know, to be complete. Yeah. yeah. I was an English major, and there was a rule, you know, don't mix your metaphors, except in the Bible you can't. You can mix them all. <laughs> <laughs> because there's a bunch of them. Yeah, um, totally. Let's back up for a second. What is the kingdom of God? Anywhere the king rules and reigns. That's it. So a kingdom is anywhere a king Rules and reigns. And that's where you get the like, on earth as it is in heaven, because he is currently ruling and reigning 
in heaven, and then there needs to be pockets where the kingdom break, the kingdom of light breaks mm-hmm. through the kingdom of darkness here, so that the lost world can see what it looks like when the king rules and reigns, and then they can experience. This is not just a rule giver here to take over. Mm-hmm. This is a a loving father here to redeem. These are mm-hmm. these are different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I heard Pastor Ben Stewart. He said a <clears throat> phrase when he was preaching either here a few weeks ago or, or a couple of months ago or many years ago, I heard him say this, and he was talking about the incarnation when Jesus came. And the phrase he used just stuck on me because it's like this really significant imagery. And he said, Jesus' arrival was a landed invasion. Mm. Yeah, he said that here. And then 1 John 3, 8 says, the reason Jesus came to the world was to overthrow the works of the devil. Mm. And so it totally was an, a kingdom invasion. Mm-hmm. A new king had come, and he was taken over. Mm-hmm. And he has been pushing back the darkness and pushing back the darkness and pushing back the darkness ever since. <clears throat> yeah, because a faulty way to look at it, if you do get your mind around there are two kingdoms, I w- somehow, not explicitly, but implicitly in my little camp and my little bit of Baptist background, it was, there was the eternal kingdom and the temporary kingdom, and the temporary kingdom was just a trash heap anyway. It's all going to burn up, so mm-hmm. don't worry about anything here. Mm-hmm. But that is not the grand narrative of what Christ came to do. He came to make all things new. There's a new heaven and a new earth. Like, it, it burns up, not in the sense of an incinerator, it burns up in the sense of a refiner's fire that burns away all the darkness and sin, etc. Right. And so, we do care about this earth, and we do care about the people on this earth, and we do care about these things because all of these things will be made new. Therefore, it is very important today to be pushing back the darkness heading towards eternity for the new heaven and the new earth. Mm. That's one of the fundamental challenges or opportunities for growth that I see in the church today. Your question earlier about the why is this an important Mm-hmm. series. And one is that the spirit of confusion is at work. Mm-hmm. And so the goal, the way the enemy attacks, as you said clearly, is that he, he'll do whatever he has to do to suppress truth. Mm-hmm. He does not want you to believe the truth, which is the person, work, teachings, life, kingdom of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So anything he can do to suppress that truth, that's what he's up to. Uh, and, and, and so the spirit of confusion at work it leads people to all these kind of like places. One of the things that I think is really missed or maybe just misunderstood or not known in the church is that you often hear this pull to return back to another time. Let's return back. Let's return back. If we could just get back to, we could just get back to it. My plea is, man, let's not, let's not, we're not working to return somewhere. Mm-hmm. We're looking, we're working for the renewal of all things. Mm-hmm. So it's not a return, it's a renewal that's happening in the kingdom of God mm-hmm. that's bringing beauty out of ashes and death out of dirt. You know what I mean? I mean, life out of dirt. Yeah. <clears throat> At some point, I can't remember when I said this, but, um, conservatives will typically say we need to go back. I mean, just in the name itself, right? Mm -hmm. And progressives are like, no, 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 back is bad, forward. That's where we need to go. Mm -hmm. Jesus people say, no, 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 man, it's up. Mm -hmm. It ain't back to days of old, and it ain't forward like we're going to outsmart God. Mm -hmm. It is 
It is, we're trying to, as Jesus followers, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's not back or forward, man. That's mm. kingdom down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not culture up. So the kingdom, where the king rules and reigns. Mm -hmm. Right? This gets, that's a great definition of the kingdom. I think it's the only right working definition. You're a mom. You're a teenager. You're somebody who's been through some struggles, mm -hmm. recently divorced. You know, the last two years have been hard for everybody, but let's just say they've been exceptionally hard for you. And you look around and you're just like, there's a whole lot of brokenness. There's a whole lot of hurt. Or maybe you're just a mom and you're like, there's a, a, a and I say just a mom. Come on. That's not that's it. But you are a mom who is hard at work raising children. But what's and, being whispered is you're oh, just a mom. That's exactly right. Yeah. And <clears throat> how, how do you see and enjoy and walk in the victory of the king who rules and reigns where you are, being present in your moment yeah. that God has given you, active in the kingdom, not just active in the kingdom, but aware that you're being, you're active in the kingdom. So I would rarely point people to Facebook <laughs> and I would rarely like promote something Gretchen wrote. She hardly ever does Facebook or whatever, but somehow today, I don't know what got in her, she posts this really long thing which was just encouragement to stay-at-home moms. Now, she hadn't heard the sermon yet or any of that kind of stuff, but if you read it, here's what she does, man. Mm -hmm. She identifies the lies of the enemy, lies of comparison, because she struggled with a lot of that too. Mm -hmm. Like, am I lazy? Um, I, don't, I don't measure up to what all these CEO moms are doing, mm -hmm. <clears throat> all this sort of But she identifies the lie of the enemy. She recast a vision of what she's doing, of discipling kids, helping me with what I got to do here, these kinds of things. And, and it's that. So part of the way we fight, I said don't flee and, and don't follow, but we got to fight. There's a wrong way to fight. A part of the right way to fight is continuously refocusing our attentions above the horizon and the fray that we're caught up in and fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Mm -hmm. That's Because, dude, I can do the same thing, man. I, I can have a tendency to compare my life to some, like, radical missionary type or whatever and think, mm -hmm. man, I am just, this is too cush. I get paid and I got an office and I got staff. And mm -hmm. that's, not, totally. that's not what I'm called. I need, to, I need to, if somebody ain't shooting at me, you know, it's not radical enough. For sure. <clears throat> and that is a lie of the enemy, man. That immediately. Mm -hmm. It happens in, in everybody's life. Mm -hmm. And one of the, I mean, one of the enemy's greatest tactics is just to get you caught up in like the things below the horizon that are right in front of you. Mm -hmm. And that can be comparison, it could just be whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But to take your mind off of the marching orders of the king. Mm -hmm. And that the Great Commission is a reinstitution of what God gave in Genesis. Make disciples or image bearers, be fruitful and multiply mm. to the ends of the earth, all peoples. Mm. And then everything we do as believers is a means to that end, mm -hmm. and that is a means to the end of the glory of God. Mm -hmm. But it's got to be a constant reminder. Mm -hmm. For sure. Because I think very... I mean, look, man, we got a bunch of awesome people here at our church that love the Lord and study their Bibles. 
I think the number of people that wake up and their first thought is, how shall I glorify God and accomplish the Great Commission today? I think it's more like, what time is it? What do I have to do? Mm-hmm. Got to get the kids. You know, just that that kind mm-hmm. of mundane stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I was talking to, to Matt Chandler about this. And the enemy can use all of those comforts and busyness to just pacify a church right back mm-hmm. to sleep. No doubt. And then think, but I'm good because I go to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. So Jesus, if you, you know, when you read the Gospels, his message was repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Mm-hmm. Okay? And based on your definition, probably the reason he said that was because the king was here. He's here. The king is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. The king is going to rule and reign. So repent. Um, why is the kingdom language kind of rare in church preaching today in favor of other things. You know, I, I, don't know that, I don't know that I've been to a lot of churches. Well, one is the sissification of America. <laughs> and so anything about fighting or violence or any of that, they're like, whoa, Jesus wasn't about that. I'm like, clearly you don't read the Bible. I mean, if, if you don't think this is a, a brutal warfare, you're already done. Mm. And here's why we're getting our tails handed to us. Mm. In the Gulag Archipelago, there's some line. He's talking about he's talking about the um, the Russian police arresting people and taking them to the Gulags. And I won't get the quote perfect, but it's something like, "Whoever has predetermined that violence will be used will always be the strongest in the fight." Mm-hmm. So if the police are coming to get you and you don't even know they're coming to get you, and you're just walking into Walmart, they have already predecided. I'm a, I'm getting this guy. Mm-hmm. But if you have not predecided, I think I'm gonna get in a fight today. Mm-hmm. You're all, you're done. Mm-hmm. That's how most Christians walk through their life, mm-hmm. and you are completely right, bro. Mm-hmm. I, I do think some churches have like overplayed it, and we fight like the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of folks in our positions, and they're afraid of one of the primary illustrations the Bible uses in regards to what it means to be at war against the enemy, mm-hmm. and that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. That's dangerous. Yeah, the the. For sure, the numbing or the passivity of like making words or biblical truths less than what they are, you you repent. I heard the best definition of repent I've ever heard in, because most of my life, rightly so, I was taught repent means to to turn away 180 degrees, that there's confessing your sins. And then there's repenting of your sins. And those things work together. But repenting is walking away from. And that's right. And I'm not second-guessing that. But to, to, to me, at least for my mind, it, 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 was, it never like, maybe it just didn't stick strong enough. Or maybe I just heard this definition and I was like, that's strong. And I heard J.R. Vassar say this. And Pastor J.R. Vassar say this mm. in a sermon he's doing through Isaiah. Whatever he said is good. It's great. He <laughs> says this. Repentance is the refusal to return to being at peace with that sin. Mm. Repentance is the refusal to return to the place where you're at peace with sin. Yeah, and I'll put that in like kingdom. Put your kingdom lenses on. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're saying. You're saying, I refuse to continue to bow down to that king or to return to that kingdom of darkness. Yeah. 
Yeah, I will not be at peace with that in my life mm-hmm. anymore. It doesn't have a place that's safe for it. Hmm. Not to say I'm not going to struggle again. Not to say I'm not going to be tempted. That's what I loved about it. Was it for wasn't sure. like hmm. I'm going to leave it and never like hmm. right feel the feel the kind of pull back, or I'm never going to think about it again, or I'm never going to. Mm-hmm. I am going to do those things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I am going to struggle. Well, the same stuff I struggled with for 20 years, you know, mm-hmm. and it's different for everybody. But like, I'm going to struggle with worry. I don't know why. In Jesus' name, I cast it out. But my brain, the way God, like God made me, or, or as a result of the fall, worry is one of those things that I just kind of just kind of get pulled toward. However, I know that now. I know that I got nailed to the cross on Jesus, and I refuse to be at peace with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Think about think about the war. The, what you gain from a wartime analogy to what you just said. I mean, imagine that you're born conscripted into the enemy forces, mm-hmm. and you've now, in Christ, defected mm-hmm. to the other side. Would you then go and serve the other general right. and give them the intel and, and sleep fine at night? No. So your repentance is, I'm not on that side anymore. I'm on this side now. Think about how powerful that is. And I've taught this often. Ben Stewart did an incredible job of it when he was talking about the the allure of temptation, you know. Mm -hmm. And when we can identify, like the fact that you can identify the pride of life, which its evil cousin is worry. Mm -hmm. You know, because what you're thinking is, what's going to happen to me or the people I love, Right. And when we can begin to identify the tactics of the enemy, we are at least better equipped to then war against those things. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. there are some in my life that have been there forever. And man, when I, man, when I'm leaning in him, you know, when I'm when I'm seeing things the way he would have me see them, which is almost always when I've got enough margin in my life and I've been spending the right mm-hmm. amount of time with him. I can see it from a mile away. I'm like, man, that's the lust of the flesh. You ain't taking me like that, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see it. I know what you're trying to do. I can even feel that I want to go down that road, and so get out of my face. Like I, mm-hmm. you can, mm-hmm. and that that's that's war. That's not. And if you try to diminish that, how about this? If <clears throat> if the king of this air is trying to take authority in places he does not have authority. And you become at peace with that. Can you imagine if you went home tonight and you walked in your house and there's another dude and you're like, hey, bro, what you doing in my house? And he's like, well, tell you what, I think I can be a better husband than you can. And you've been neglecting your kids and I'm going to raise your kids. There will be war. (laughs) Right? For sure. And you wouldn't allow him back in your house and you wouldn't like text with him and hang out with him. You would be like, you are trying to sit and an authority that God has given me. Mm-hmm. That's the enemy in our life. Mm. Bro, I'm, this is a handful of years ago, but I take my oldest daughter out <clears> on a date. And I've told you all this story, maybe our whole church, but I take my oldest daughter out on a date, and she's got this like Hawaiian sundress. And we actually bought it on a trip in Hawaii that my wife and I went on. And the cute, cutest yeah. little thing. And she puts on these like white heels, and she gets all dressed up for... Yeah. Date with dad. Awesome. We go over to the town center and we have our dinner and she's walking around just hair all did and man, beautiful. We have a great time. We eat dessert and 
it's awesome. And we're walking back out of the restaurant and we get in the car. She sitting in the back seat because I'm a good parent and my little kids sit in the back with the <laughs> booster and the seatbelt, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, I put it in reverse and I go to back out and I look in the rear view mirror and I just see her like countenance is down. I'm like, well, you got done eating cheesecake. What in the world mm-hmm. could you possibly be sad about? You know? And she's just sad. And so I, I stop the car and I, and I look over my shoulder and I'm like, baby, what's wrong? And she looks at me and she goes, nobody said anything about my dress. Mm. And I knew right in that moment what was happening. That at six years old, I think she was six, at six years old, the enemy was lying. Mm. Nobody sees you. You're not pretty. You know, mm-hmm. you, you made a bad choice. You, you, if you if you just wore that dress better, all the just mm-hmm. hell fire lies that he throws, he's giving it to that my, to my daughter, and I saw it by God's grace and the power of the Spirit. And I put my car in park, and I looked back at her and I said, "Sweetheart, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has a plan for you. You are beautiful because you are a daughter of the King." And I just start speaking life over mm-hmm. her, speaking verses over. Her. Now I'm sure there's opportunities I've missed, but to your point. Yep. That by God's grace and having been walking with Jesus long enough, and look, even if you don't know all the scriptures, just start speaking life and just start praying right there. And I put my hand on her leg and I just start, just pray over God, protect her mind. Don't let her believe the lies. Help her to know that she is beautiful and she is fearfully and wonderfully made and that you have a plan for her life not to harm her, right? And I'll never forget that, you know? And so, because the the enemy is not just. Trying to take you out on to get you to trip up. He's coming for all of them, for mm. your family, for your kids. Mm. You know, if there's a if there's a crack in the foundation, that water, he's gonna try to get some water up in there and just let that thing grow over time. You know, to your question, you talked about. We were talking about repent and redefining terms. Man, one of the like wizard tricks that's gone on maybe for a long, long time, but certainly over my lifetime is the redefinition of sin. Mm. We've just like numbed it down and like dumbed it down. It's like, it's like confess your sins. And it's like, wow, man, I just, I just have this struggle. Yeah. We don't, nobody sins anymore. They just struggle. For sure. And it's like this, it's like a bump in the road that you might happen to trip over. Right. Versus this like inherent rejection of the glory, fame, and person of God that is coded into mm. your DNA. Correct. These are different ways to think about what sin is and its power. And its. And when you think about it rightly, it gives all that much more power to the cross of Jesus Christ. Right. Who put sin to shame? Right. You know what I mean? The yeah. tactic <laughs> is that you would steal glory from God because God gets glory from exercising His grace to you. And so if it's a struggle and not a sin, then you don't bring it to God and therefore don't exercise your right as his child to receive more of his grace and forgiveness. Yeah, and think about if we called it what it rightly is. Instead of me saying, you know what, guys, I've been struggling. What if I came in and said, um, I participated with the enemy this week in rebelling against the one true God and his goodness in my life. Those are two different things. I participated willfully and willingly participated Mm -hmm. against you, against this church, against mm-hmm. the kingdom of God, against mm-hmm. my family, mm-hmm. and against my own mm-hmm. image that God has given me. Mm-hmm. I, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. Then you're like, whoa. You know, Paul says that we see now in part, mm-hmm. and we will see clearly, like we see through a glass, 
darkly. And our fight is a fight to see. I think the uh, like a big part of the upside down kingdom is open your eyes to see what's going on. Just like we would worship differently if we could really see his glory and see his beauty, I think our response to sin would be much more aggressive if we saw it for what it was. I mean, okay. if you see the freaking uh, snake at work, like just the slithering lies to your family, to you, and just like the disgusting and just, I can't even think of the words to say right now, just how relentless and usurping and he does not care. He hates your guts. He wants you dead. He wants you gone. We we just pacify it. We just, oh, it's just, that's a struggle. It's a little, it's a little pet in the corner. We just don't see it. One of the most, in the best way possible, spiritually intense friends that I have. I love that phrase, spiritual intensity, you know, because it's like, pray for that, man. Mm-hmm. You know, pray that God would give you a spiritual intensity. Mm-hmm. Well, as Charles Martin, you and, him just a, yeah. you and him just you finished know. a book together, comes out next month, it's going to be great. It is going to be great. The he, he talks about what you were just talking about like this, and he's dead right. Mm-hmm. He's like, you think the enemy just wants to like come into your house and like rearrange your pillows, just frustrate you a little bit? Mm-hmm. You think the enemy's trying to come in there and just like take a Coke or... Mm-hmm. Something out of the fridge in the garage and just mm-hmm. leave you a little like oh, bummed. Mm-hmm. No, man, he's trying to chop your head off, put it on a silver platter, and laugh at it. Right. That's what he wants to do. Yeah. That, that's thus the idea of Jesus saying he came to kill you. Correct. Mm-hmm. And he did come to kill you by killing your joy, by stealing your purpose, by suppressing the truth. But the end, his plan is that you were no longer on the earth to be able to be an image bearer that could reflect back the glory of God. That is what he's after. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. One so, of the things I'll share with, especially pastors, if I'm training them or church planners, <clears throat> is the passage in, in, that Peter talks about. It's in the context of elders, and he says, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. We all know this, mm-hmm. right? Looking for one to devour. If you knew a lion was looking for you tonight, you would walk to your car differently. Mm-hmm. You just would, man. Mm-hmm. You would you would not just haphazardly walk to the car. Mm-hmm. You would kind of wait and be like, all right, you might see a line out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it safe to go? Mm-hmm. And then if you knew the only three ways he could get you is hide in the back seat, hide on top of the building, or hide under your car, mm-hmm. then you would know the tactic by which he was mm-hmm. trying to kill you, and you would make arrangements against those three things. Yeah. That's what we're talking about, a lion. And like... Charles is saying about cutting your head off and putting it on the silver platter. A lion does not want to come and just toy with you and play with you for a little while. It wants to crush your head, kill you and eat you, and leave half of you there. For sure. Have you ever thought about that as the the element of most scary movies or horror? It, it is that you are running from something that is too strong for you to escape. Oh, yeah. Like an alien or a beast or the serial killer, you know, like mm-hmm. every scary scene is that you're the, the person's like clawing their way through the hallway and the and then the guy's just he, he won't stop. He just breaks through all the doors, he can come through the window, and it is that like it strikes terror that I cannot escape. One of the things they're talking about this that it's kind of like a inception like matrix thought to me. So hang with me if I get out of line and certainly call me if I get like all like theologically out of bounds Go here. For it. If you think about that, that one of the things that happens 
and I can confess that it's even happened in in my own life at times is the the, the one the demon spirit of fear. Mm-hmm. It just wants you to be afraid of something. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes with Christians, they give the devil too much power, and the spirit of fear wants that. Mm-hmm. The spirit of fear doesn't care what you're afraid of. He just wants you afraid. And so if you being afraid of the devil is the thing that paralyzes you or the thing that causes you not mm-hmm. to step forward in obedience and to not trust Jesus, you know, actively, then then it's it's almost like he, he like he he's fine with flipping it all around and letting him be the object of your fear. As long as you're afraid of something. And you'd be paralyzed. You can't watch a movie. You can't go to a dinner. You can't make a new friend because what if they lead you astray? You can't because the devil's going to get me. That's right. Yeah, man. I think that's good. That's right. Instead of... spirit of fear. Yeah. Instead of... Is he subtle and crafty and deceitful and smart? Hmm. Yeah. Is he the king? No. Right. Does he have victory? No. He's a dog on a leash. That's right. Mm -hmm. You know? He's a mean one. But he's a dog on a leash, yeah. and the king's got the leash. I also think one of the major tactics of the enemy today is just to lull the Christian asleep in church. Mm-hmm. Can't do anything about his salvation. It's bought and paid for, right? Can't snatch him out of the hand of the loving Heavenly Father. That's right. But you know what he can do? Can lull that brother to sleep, take him off mission, and feel dang confident in his own salvation the Christian that's just asleep in the pew and not a part of the advancing kingdom whatsoever mm-hmm. and feel really good about everything in his life mm-hmm. and just comfort him with entertainment and comfort mm-hmm. to sleep. And then essentially, since he can't since he can't take away the dude's salvation, he can make sure nobody else gets saved through this guy mm-hmm. and just lull him to sleep and, mm-hmm. and then not mess with him. Yeah. I was talking recently to some folks from Second Peter one, and he's listing that list of what you should add to your faith, you know, virtue and knowledge and brotherly affection. And the end he says, if you have all these things you won't fall, and they'll keep you from being unfruitful and ineffective. And it struck me that that's almost like three levels of going astray. Like fall, you don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Like you screwed it up. Unfruitful. The stuff you did didn't really produce fruit. Ineffective. You tried some stuff and you basically didn't do it. didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think some people, to your point, are are missing out on what God has for them because they're just not effective or fruitful. Maybe they're not falling away, but but man, what a what a waste to not be able to be producing the kind of fruit that God's designed. And they miss out on the joy too. Yeah, um, Matt Carter. We quote a lot of preachers, don't we? Oh, no. I love it, man. I love listening. <clears throat> My friend Matt Carter, when he preached here, I, the, the image that he painted, he said, the worst thing you can do is not believe, right? So that's it. That's the worst. The next worst thing is imagine getting to heaven and looking around. Remember this? Every tribe, tongue, nation, and you look around and think, I didn't bring anybody with me. Mm-hmm. Like I, didn't use, I did not allow God to use me to even bring one more person here. Mm-hmm. That's just different than being on mission for him, mm. saying to live as Christ, to die as gain. Right. Very different. Challenges your theology of how you'll experience the joy of heaven, right? Because that sounds like a regret. <laughs> uh, it's not one that I want. Uh, okay, let me talk. Let me ask something about uh, Satan being defeated, okay? So 
There are different theories of atonement. Um, judicial, uh, the, the, the idea that what Jesus has done has paid the price for us before the almighty eternal judge. And then there's sort of what's called Christus Victor, like Jesus came, fought the enemy, did battle with him, defeated him. I don't think these things are mutually exclusive. But talk a little bit about, you know, did Jesus go into hell and do and fight and steal the keys and and I mean you can kind of let your imagination run a little bit there. I mean even the Nicene Creed says he descended into hell, uh, and then there's uh, he took the keys to death and hell because in Revelation one right or he holds the keys of death. I, well, a couple of things. One, I think if you study the Nicene Creed in its original language, it was like the place of the dead uh-huh. or Hades, right. which is different than what we think of when we think of hell as like an actual, literal, eternal mm-hmm. place of torment. Mm-hmm. So I think a, a part of what the church fathers were saying is that Jesus died. He, mm-hmm. he was, his body was laid to death just like anybody else that mm-hmm. has died. Mm-hmm. That I don't think it was like he went to the dark side and there was a, that unseen battle. I think when mm-hmm. it was finished, it was finished. Mm. I think one of the best pictures of us understanding how... How did Jesus, in Colossians, fully and finally defang the enemy and mm-hmm. nail the accusation, accusation to the cross, and yet still the enemy can show up to him in Luke 4 and be like, this authority has been given to me. These mm-hmm. kingdoms are mine to give away right now. Mm-hmm. In the book of Revelation, there is a dragon with a head wound, and it is a mortal wound. Mm-hmm. So it's over, bro. Mm-hmm. It's like UFC. The Joker's knocked out, and he's just kind of standing on his feet, swinging and flailing. Mm-hmm. And we know he's going down. Mm-hmm. And right now, we're in the all right, already, but not yet. Mm-hmm. Where, where you said it, he's a dog on a chain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you talk about the different ways. I mean, you, you brought this up, that Satan would, would love you to either think he's no big deal mm-hmm. or to think that he's the... The thing from the horror movie that is going to get you, right, you know what right. I mean? Because uh, equal, those are equally as dangerous. What were you going to say? You asked the question about did Jesus descend into, and I'm I agree with everything that you said. And but the, that scripture is for, I was trying to find the scripture, and it's in First or Second Peter. But maybe we'll talk about that next time more more in depth. But um, I think that language matters a bunch, mm-hmm. right? And actually knowing what the Bible means when it says things ma- matters a bunch. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm certainly, I love the Bible. I've been studying the Bible. I've been trained in the Bible. But I'm certainly not a language expert mm-hmm. when it comes to the Bible. You don't have to be a language expert for God to s- speak through His Word. And His Word, if you're reading it, He is speaking to you. True. Okay. Mm-hmm. But that that's the point of clarity is, mm-hmm. and you painted you said that the two sides of atonement are not mutually exclusive and my response to your question of well is it you don't ask the question but the idea that it would be either or is one of the fundamental errors that we can make in theology mm-hmm. often it is not an either or sometimes it is either or mm-hmm. a lot of times it is both and mm-hmm. it is both expiation and propitiation which mm-hmm. is the mercy mm-hmm. that covers and the payment that satisfies. Yep. You know what I mean? It's not either or. It's it's both and. And there's a whole lot of both and in the cross and the resurrection. Mm-hmm. And t- 
Jesus is big enough, strong enough, and victorious enough to have done both and plus all the things that we currently don't have words to describe. I mentioned it very briefly tonight. <clears throat> Anytime you're trying to pin down the chronology of an eternal God, mm -hmm. it gets wonky. Mm -hmm. The Greek uses the word, most of the time when the Bible talks about God's timing, it uses uh, kairos. Mm -hmm. And when it's talking about our timing, it's chronos where we get chronology. Mm -hmm. So anytime you're doing that, it just kind of, it can get a little confusing when we are living in chronology, mm -hmm. trying to explain things that happen in eternity. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where, so for instance, <clears throat> we have a very westernized view of heaven and hell. Mm -hmm. The full biblical view is there is a temporary holding cell called Hades and there's a waiting room called heaven. And then there is the eternal lake of fire of torment that we think of as hell. And then there's the new heaven and new earth where all believers will live forever. And these are four different things. Mm. <clears throat> and a part of the way all the Old Testament believers get to go to the new heaven and the new earth is because in this waiting room of heaven and holding cell of Hades, that the Moses and these kind of people that are in what we would call heaven in the waiting room is because they put their faith in God and they believe by faith in the coming Messiah that the cross is revealed to them there before the consummation of all things. And then we got, we got thrones and for the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles of the New mm -hmm. Testament. And we're there through the blood and the atonement of Christ. Mm -hmm. And the waiting room of Hades is because the eternal lake of fire is not filled yet because Jesus is going to return fully and finally cast the devil, the enemy, or the demons, and everybody else that willfully rejected God in this life there forever and ever and ever. Mm -hmm. And so those aren't the same things. We talk about them like they're the mm -hmm. same things, like heaven and, and the final new, new heavens, new earth are the same. They're not the same. Mm. And again, it gets a little bit confusing because we're talking about in chronological terminology, trying to describe eternal re eternal realities. That's tough. Hmm. And you've had entire denominations split over it. Like, does the soul rest until the day of resurrection, or do you go straight to heaven? Well, the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I mean, like, for a God yeah, the thief on the crowds, today he was in right. paradise. For a God who's outside of time, it, it's... it's uh, it's going to blow your mind either way. Correct. You know, like you step outside of time, who knows? Who Here's knows a free one for you. Ready? Yep. God being outside of time. And then in Colossians, it talks about all things were created for him, by him, through him, and all things hold together. And he holds all things together. Mm. Well, there's two forces at work currently in the world we live in that are holding they're dependent on each other that are holding it all together. Gravity and time. Mm -hmm. Right? And gravity dictates time without the one of the one makes the other work, mm -hmm. you know, or they work together. So, one of the thoughts that I've thought about many times is if the, if the father is outside of time, then time is happening inside of the son, Jesus. The time as we're experiencing, he's holding, he is what time, time is passing. He's holding it together, hmm. you know, that if all created things are, are for him, by him, 
through him, mm-hmm. well, if gravity and time weren't created, what were they? Mm. Through him, and that the spirit is at work in time, bringing all things together mm-hmm. to to realize their fullness in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty powerful imagery to me. That's how he's the beginning and the end. Bingo. The other thing, <clears throat> if you do a little physics, that as speed increases, time decreases. Mm-hmm. So theory of relativity, mm-hmm. every movie you like, the guy like flashes to the moon and back, and he's been gone for 24 hours, but he's like 25 years older, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So if God is omnipresent, that means he's in all places at all times. Mm-hmm. So to get from here to there is now. Mm-hmm. So that he is infinitely fast, which means that would he would compress time into the eternal now. Mm-hmm. And so our our literal physics that he let Albert Einstein teach us is proof of the omnipresence mm. and eternality of the one true God. Mm. That'll make you think. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. I started thinking about it like in, in um, like physics class like my sophomore year of college. Oh, wow. I was like, hey, I got a question. They, I, w- I once heard a lot. They didn't uh, get into it like I did. Uh, a lady, uh, I can't remember her name, brilliant, but she said, theological speculation is fine as long as everybody knows you're speculating. Oh. And so that's that. I, sometimes I think... I, Thinking on Christ in terms of the Bible, even if you're not thinking about it exactly rightly or your language is too, sometimes it can like stir you up to like, mm. you know you know what I mean? Yeah, as long as you realize if you're thinking outside of these words that are written down in this book, you may or may not be all the way. Are you tracking with me? I would highly encourage the believer to do two things with their imagination. As you hand it over to the Lord, think on the character and nature and attributes of God and the effects of that you know like in space in time in the cosmos what's happening in heaven Mm. surrender your imagination to the lord and say god would you help me think god glorifying thoughts about what could be happening in heaven right now because revelation 4 and 5 sounds like there's a worship service going on right now wonder what that's like okay Mm. so go like telescopic with that and then go like microscopic with, particularly in the Gospels or whatever, any, any Old or New Testament passage and try to get down into the grimy details that only your imagination can fill in. Now, these, these aren't stories that anybody made up, but just try to fill in all the actual details mm-hmm. like woman caught in adultery, man. Mm-hmm. wonder what her relationship with her father was like. You don't know. It's not in there. Mm-hmm. Because what, both of those things will increase our understanding of, of the magnificence of God, the bigness of God. And then the, the thinking about the granular aspects of the actual events will help us understand just the, almost like the, I don't know what the right word is, the incarnation would probably be better, but like almost like the smallness of God. Sometimes it's easy for me to believe in the bigness of God because he's mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. But Revelation 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. I want to come in and sit down at your table and eat dinner with you. The nearness. Bro, just to like, yeah, man. Yeah. Um, you know that, what's that Jesus movie series on right now? The, the Chosen. Chosen. The Chosen, bro. I, I think 
as long as you just surrender it up to the Lord. And I think all the guys putting this thing together are rightly motivated, et cetera, et cetera, okay? I think it helps with some of those kinds of things, like like helping us understand that Jesus had facial expressions Mm -hmm. and the way he looks at his disciples was with love Mm -hmm. and not disdain, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, for sure. So what is, what's our role, or what's the role of the Christian in bringing the kingdom of God to bear? Do we build it? Can we build the kingdom? Can we advance the kingdom? Advance, yeah. We can part, we participate <clears throat> actively in the advancement of. It's interesting what Jesus says in Matthew 11. From the days of John the Baptist until today, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing. The ESV says violently. And violent men take hold of it. So, like, God's going to do what God's going to do. And if you want to be a part of it, you better fight. That's what I would say. And again, what I talked about tonight is there's a wrong way to fight, Mm -hmm. which is to fight with the weapons of this world Mm -hmm. and think that we're winning. And there's a right way to fight, which is living the gospel-infected life. Mm -hmm. Those are two different things. Mm -hmm. So for the person who's having a hard time grasping like practically how to do that, what would you say? Henry Blackaby, I quote this all the time. He said, if you want to experience God, which if you're experiencing God, you're experiencing his kingdom. Mm-hmm. If you want to experience God in your life, then look around at where he's at work and join him in that work. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so if that's your relationships, your marriage, your kids, your church, your whatever, any sphere of influence or whatever, any sphere of any your life that you could step into. The question is, what's God doing here? And he's always at work. Sometimes it's easier to see him at work than others. And so maybe in one of the ones now as we walk through the mm-hmm. this series, we could talk about what are some ways to identify where God's at work, you know, to actually see where he's at work. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that's fundamentally how do you advance the kingdom is one, want to. Mm -hmm. Think about it. Pray about it. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. if it's on your mind, there's a far better chance you're going to have eyes to see God at work than like... It's not on your mind. You're thinking about everything else, and you're just going to stumble into God at work. I mean, that might happen, but the chances are pretty slim. You're going to like... I think rarely God gives people a heart for something before they put their hand to it. Most often, you just got to put your hand to it, and then watch what God does with your heart. Mm-hmm. I, and I think you got to go, like, you just Jonas this thing, but in, a, in the right way. Pray it up, Lord. Here I am. Send me. And go find some place of darkness. We, in the fall, we're about to roll out like 10 areas that you can go fight for the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Sanctity of life, foster care, human trafficking, helping first responders, senior adults. I mean, there's all these different areas. And mm-hmm. if you don't know, I don't think you like Ouija board this thing and wait for some kind of mysterious right. feeling or word. You just go get to work. Mm-hmm. And then, man, he's a king. And he'll put you in the right place. Mm-hmm. Unless I ended up here. I didn't. This was not my plan. Mm-hmm. I just got to work on making disciples. Now here, I, I, this is where I'm at. For sure. So there's, a, there's that, man. I mean, and then, and again, I want to refer back to a lot of it has to do with season of life, too. 
You've mentioned moms. We mentioned moms. Um, Gretchen can have this guilt about all the things she's not doing for the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, when we were married, no kids, she was a small group leader for seventh grade girls and all kind of, I mean, mm-hmm. man, you name it, two mission trips a year, all these kind of things. Now we got two teenagers at home. She is just as much in the fight, in the role she plays in my life and my kids' life as I am preaching tonight. Mm-hmm. And the the key is is just, man, I, I think the best advice in the whole Bible, we talked about it in the John series last year. When Mary looks at the servants when they've run out of wine, says, do whatever he tells you to do. Mm-hmm. Just do that. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what to do, honestly, ask a pastor, ask somebody in your disciple group. Mm-hmm. Just just get in the game because I think the Spirit of God, you know, the Spirit means wind. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're interchangeable words in Greek and in Hebrew, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole bunch of Christians that sit in their sailboat at the dock trying to figure out where to go, mm-hmm. and the wind don't work until you just get out in there and open up the sails and watch him fill up the sails. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's some of that, bro. Yeah. It goes back to a couple of things we said a little bit earlier. If you recognize the kingdom of God as anywhere the king is ruling and reigning, you can ask yourself the question, what would that look like there or here or in my life? And and what you said earlier about getting to work and then and then letting God do the rest. You know, I was talking to Paul, our CFO, about pastoring. You know, and we talk, we think a lot about church ministry and we think about counseling or helping people realize and I you know their dreams or, or whatever. And that's not there's not a lot of that in the Bible. It's kind of like go plant some churches, yeah. go help people become disciples and go on mission. I mean, it's yeah. like take a beating, dust yeah. yourself off. Right. Go again. Yeah, keep keep on going. Yeah. Uh, man, I'm super pumped. Um, this is just the beginning of this whole deal. Um, is there anything else you didn't get to in your Oh, there's message? a ton, man. I mean, what there's you a. I you know I don't I didn't say this, but there's there's a lot of folks that we're in a real strange time. Mm. The micro echo chambers in our society right now are at an intensity and availability as never seen before in human history. So let's just take news, for example. Mm -hmm. And we talked a little bit about politics. So whatever your political persuasion is right now, Mm -hmm. primarily because of the internet, you can surround yourself with a worldwide community that only believes what you believe, only thinks what you think, only sits where you sit, and that be the only interaction you have Mm -hmm. that is a dangerous thing in the kingdom of god Mm -hmm. the diversity in the early church was i mean these these brothers and sisters were so diverse the only thing they had in common is they believed that jesus rose from the grave Mm -hmm. and so they got hyper focused on that and planting churches based on that rock Mm -hmm. um you can become a CNN church real quick. You can become a Fox church real quick. Mm-hmm. We ain't either. Mm-hmm. We want to be, we want to be a church that bows to the the lion who was slain as a lamb. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I hope through this series, the people that are going to most enjoy it are the people that can't wait to forward it to their cousin mm-hmm. or their you know like liberal uncle or their right wing neighbor or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. 
the people that are going to grow most in the series are are those of us that choose to hold up the mirror to our own life mm-hmm. and try to take the log out of our own eye before we try to remove the speck mm-hmm. from the brother or sister that has a different thought than we do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought about worship um, because when Satan is talking to Jesus in his temptation, he says, all this you can have mm-hmm. if you worship me. And we're focusing a lot on worship this year. Mm-hmm. And so it struck me that both kingdoms are looking for the same thing. Bro, if I, if I had time to get all into that Ezekiel passage, Ezekiel 28, it describes the guardian cherub as clothed in gemstones. Mm-hmm. And it's almost confusing, like, is he made up of gemstones or does he have, like, gemstone clothes on? Okay. Mm-hmm. And then he's got, like, trumpets and, and harps, like, as appendages. Mm. And, the, and, and what it sounds like is that his job was to gather all of the other cherubs and angels and messengers, mm-hmm. and the light of the glory of God would shine through him, and he would refract and reflect the light of God, and that was what worship was. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, it went to his head, and he said, they shouldn't be looking through me, they should be looking to me. Mm-hmm. And it was a worship problem. Mm-hmm is that he thought he was worthy of worship. Mm-hmm. And that pride got him sent down. Mm-hmm. Bro, that hasn't changed in all mm-hmm. of human history. Yeah. That's it. It's no coincidence that we're talking about upside down kingdom in a worship <clears throat> year. And, yeah, uh, man, yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't just haphazardly put these things together. Right. I try to, you know. I've, I've heard people use the analogy a lot of times that, uh, like for sports, like you will yell at a sports game or shout or you'll cheer, you'll cheer or maybe worship at your for your favorite sports team, but then you come to church and you're not expressive. Um, maybe there's a different group of people that get fired up about politics. There's no You know what I mean? Right. And uh, the same thing applies. Yeah, I'm very vocal about that. But right. when it comes to the resurrected Christ, it's, it's kind of crickets, you know? Yeah. Well, the scary thing is, is when we put on our political filter first mm-hmm. and not our faith filter mm-hmm. first and we try to use the scriptures or our belief or mm-hmm. whatever to help prop up whatever political position you take mm-hmm. i'm just telling you i think i said it tonight jesus is not your lobbyist mm-hmm. he's lord mm-hmm. and if you're using it that way bro i'm telling you you're damned to hell mm. Because you haven't surrendered your life to him. Mm-hmm. You're trying to ask him to help you accomplish your political goals. Mm-hmm. These are two very different things. And that's the subtle shift of the enemy. He, he, listen, he's such a good liar, he convinced a third of the angels to go with him. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Mm. Angels. Right. Saw with their own two eyes, or however many eyes they have. Right, that's true. The glory of God. <laughs> yeah. And said, so we'll go, we think you're right. You got this, dude. Yeah. Oof. Anything else you want to add? I don't, man. I've enjoyed this, though. Me too. I look forward to the rest of our time. Some heavy-hitting stuff on one sense, but hopefully it's helpful. It's helpful to me. And so um, praise God for him leading us and you to to this series. And as we talked about many minutes ago, I love you. I love you, too. And I love you. I love you, and I love you. And I love our church. Me too, man, so much. I'm so glad to be back. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you're back. I I appreciated it for sure, and I'm so grateful for our elders and our church. And 
and, and for sure we need Sabbath and rest and all that. But man, I'm a work dog. I ain't a lap dog, and I am ready. <laughs> I could. I tell you this though, I could not have prepared the sermon that I did without extra time. Mm. That that one that was that was not a four day prepper right there. That was a, like. <laughs> Four days ago, man, I was like, this is a problem. I feel like I have all ingredients and no, like, product here. You know what I mean? It was, I didn't, it was, and then this week, the Lord, um, and thanks to y'all, y'all sent me a bunch of stuff that helped like crazy. And so the the response of fleeing or following or fighting helped Mm -hmm. me much. Yeah. Let me pray for us. Please do. God, we thank you for your presence in our lives. I thank you for my brothers. I thank you for the chance that we have just to talk about you, and I pray that you're glorified through it. Father, I pray that anything we've said that is, uh, that's wrong or unhelpful, uh, would you not let it be heard, but anything we've said that's glorifying to you and truth and from truth, Father, I pray that you would use it to help transform us and anyone who would hear it into your likeness. I pray for the series, The Upside Down Kingdom. I pray that as we... Advance your kingdom, and we join you in the work that you're doing. God, I pray that thousands and thousands of people will turn their life mm-hmm. to the lordship of Jesus Christ yes. over the next five weeks. Mm-hmm. Thousands. I pray that the gospel would be clearly heard, clearly seen, and believed. We pray these things in Jesus' name. We thank you, thank you, Jesus, for who you are, what you've done. Thank you that yours is the victory. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.